Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your host, Daniel Colburn. Today's episode is brought to you by Broken Knuckle Fingerboards and Nuts. Nuts. Get them out of your mouth. Get them um, out of your mouth before you record the podcast. Yeah. If you're eating nuts before the podcast, you're going to have those little skins that they have stuck all up in your teeth. <laughs> you don't want nut skin in your teeth. <laughs> Get that nut skin out of your teeth. <laughs> We're twelve. Oh, uh, we are, dude. That's one. That's why the people like. That's why exactly a thousand people like us. Yep. No more, no less. Um. What's up, people? How we doing? That's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, okay. Caleb. Topic number one. You've got a Soda Stream. The real sponsor of the show is the Soda Stream. Soda Stream. Do you have a Soda Stream? I have a Soda Stream. You use it? Uh, no. Why? I did for a minute. And then it ran out of CO2? No. And then we moved and I never unpacked it and put it in its proper place. It's like a counter space issue. Mm. It's like, I just, it just like, it feels like it doesn't deserve that spot more than like the coffee grinder does. Heard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, if I had a little like mini bar in my office with a like a mini fridge and a little French press and a little electric kettle, mm-hmm. which is something that I now realize that I need and didn't until I started saying all those words. Um, but when I eventually build that this weekend, I will put the soda stream there. <laughs> That's great news. That's yeah. great to hear. Soda stream Hannah got for me because I have a sparkler habit. So we call them sparklers. <laughs> They're just seltzer. Seltzers, yeah. We call them sparklers Boobies. for fun. Bubblies. Um, yeah, so I go through like a garbage ton of aluminum cans, which is mm-hmm. like not great. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so she got me a soda stream and mm-hmm. it's sort of been on my radar, sort of. Like I thought like, oh, that'd be kind of cool, but it seems like the kind of thing that I would like maybe like a little bit, but then want to just drink from the cans. You know? Sure. So what is your strat with the soda stream? Because let me tell you what I was doing. And this all credit goes to John Drexler. Um, I was in San Francisco and I stayed with John Drexler. And the man is consistently making stovetop popcorn hmm. and soda streams. Hmm. And you'll be like playing Overwatch on his computer and he'll be uh, he'll come up to you like, you think uh, you think you'd like to have yourself a soda stream <laughs> and then just hand you a soda stream. Um, it's very good. So the nice thing about stovetop popcorn and soda stream is they're completely guilt-free snacks. They're not bad for you in any way. Sort of. They yeah. have no carbs. They're all or, carbs. sorry, not carbs. They have no <laughs> uh, calories of any. You know, it's like you could eat. You could eat literally like like a a garbage bag full of popcorn before <laughs> before you gained any weight from it. Um. So yeah, you just. Popcorn and soda stream. That was what we were eating at John's house. I came home, got myself a soda stream, and I've adopted the John Drexler method, which is you just own limes, hmm. and then you just do plain soda stream, and then once you've streamed it, you cut a lime in half, squeeze it into the soda stream, and then mm-hmm. just push the lime itself into the soda stream bottle, nice. and then yep. throw it in the fridge. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good tactic. So like, I have to be really careful about basically every habit i build because i have to like minimize all of the effort like i have to make sure that it's bare minimum effort 
like mm-hmm. bare minimum and requires me to not wash anything that's mm-hmm. basically my requirement if it's gonna stick for me mm-hmm. you know so like i definitely was like oh yeah awesome fresh fruit seltzer stuff like that but i just know that like i'm in the middle of my work i'm not gonna go out there and slice a lemon or a lime you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? that's because you, you don't have I'm a mini you. bar in your office exactly yep and i don't yep. have a maid that makes sure that there's like fresh ice mm-hmm. and you know that the dishes yeah. are washed and whatnot working on it um but the soda stream yeah yeah so hannah got me these like little squeezer things to like flavor you know water Mm -hmm. like water Mm -hmm. flavorers Mm -hmm. um and they're gross they're i mean they're gross on their own if you like use them the way they're intended they're Mm -hmm. like but they're all natural stevia whatever and but if you just do like the dupiest little squirt like doop you know just like one little doop it's perfect like it tastes better than the seltzers you buy in my opinion Perfect. And it's just as like hands off flavor and it's so uh-huh. easy. So anyway, I'm addicted to this thing and I'm out of the almost out of the first CO2 canister, which is ridiculous. And I'm yeah. now realizing like, oh, I'm going to be costing other things <laughs> like because my soda, my now I have a soda stream habit. Anyway, it's fantastic. I can't believe how much I love it. And I drink like oodles every day now. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can you go? to like like a Dick's Sporting Goods or something and get the CO2 canisters refilled? So not these CO2 canisters. I could buy the adapter for paintball CO2 canisters. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then um, I'm, sh- I'm sure Dick's has that. And then I've also read that like you can go to like scuba supply stores and stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you've already done the research. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, was yeah, going to yeah. be my homework for you was to figure out how you could just like create a create a stream of soda if you will it has Um, to be like i have to make sure that i buy like 10 paintball canisters and fill them all once for a year yep Yep. otherwise it's a no-go yep understand so thank you soda stream for sponsoring the show shout out soda stream thanks for all the hard work you do Mm -hmm. um excellent so excellent great soda stream yeah dude we haven't talked in like it's been a while because we had weeks, holidays and stuff. Four weeks. Four weeks. Um, I want to talk about the word extant. Do you know the word extant? No. I've, I've extant. heard it, but I don't know it. Let me read you the definition. Extant. Uh, still in existence. Currently existing. Not having disappeared. Okay. Still alive. Not extinct. Hmm. The extant decal? The yeah. extant species of decal? Extant is a word that you, uh, this is, I'm making, this is a concerted campaign that I'm starting right now. Yeah. Use extant in your programming more. Hmm. It is such a valuable word when you're writing like method names or variable names or whatever. Oh, for like thing that is alive or thing that stays alive? Thing that is, thing that exists. Hmm. Right? So right. like, okay. um, we and this is going to be my whole second topic but i'll tease you with it Mm, um we are working on like the exam admin panel stuff for staff to like create exams and add questions and answers and stuff yeah and we want to not allow you to delete a answer from a question which is in an exam which is active right so if you're just creating yeah, a new okay. exam, but no one's taking that exam, yep. you should be able to delete the answers. Okay. You know? But yep. once people have started taking the exam, yep. 
you can't start deleting answers because it ruins history yeah. and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, the way you describe this is you say, don't allow answers to be deleted from an exam with extant sessions. Okay. Right? As a, so instead of existing. Like, right. It seems like a synonym for existing or current it, or active. Right. It is. And it's a session, it, but it's a synonym for kind of the combination between like, uh, but the implication of it that I like, or like the, the subtlety of it is that it doesn't just mean existing. It means like existing and sort of still relevant, hmm. you know, like okay. there's, there's all of the, all of the definitions include the word still. Hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. still in existence, not having disappeared, still alive, not extinct. Yeah. You know? So it's like sessions that, like, still matter. Yeah. Right? And so you can kind of, like, use it because there are, like, what? Okay, maybe that user has been, has canceled their account and whatever. And we have this data, but it doesn't matter. You know, like, I don't know. In this case, it doesn't, like, that distinction isn't important. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's less letters. It's short mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a concept that like I think is like a valuable concept and it feels like existing is overkill for mm-hmm. that slot. So anyway, yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with the word extant and I'm sticking right. it in my code a lot recently. I'm going to keep my eye on it. Keep my yeah. eye on it. See if so it comes up. So for now, I'm just talking about it on my popular internet podcast and yeah. writing it in my work code. Eventually, we're going to get it Great. into Laravel framework. So don't oh, worry. nice. Okay. Sweet. Uh, I'm not sure where yet, but that's that's 2021 big goals. Get excellent into Laravel framework. Yep. So listeners out there, if you're doing pull requests to Laravel, please get that going. Yep. Helper function, string helper function called string extant is yeah. probably the lowest hanging <laughs> string fruit. colon colon extant. <laughs> yeah. No string str underscore extant. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He'll pull it in. No dude. Yeah. No dude. No dude. Okay, so we got to talk um, about the, the big things. Like, we haven't covered Christmas. We don't have to cover any of these, but the big things that have happened. Holidays, Christmas have elapsed. Mm-hmm. Hotwire has been released. Hotwire has been released. We have to talk about Hotwire. Definitely have to talk about Hotwire. Um, nation crumbling. A, we don't have to touch on that. We could. We don't have to. We could. Um, we got, uh, what else? The rewrite. I've got a and, thing. I've got a thing. You have a thing. We so have fingerboarding I've been assigned, as well. I've been assigned a, a task by Chris. Here's my task. Um, so Chris, sort of unprompted, while we were pairing on the solution to the question and answer thing today. Wait, are you going to tell me that Chris has a task for you to like explore Hotwire as like the next architecture no. for your app? God no, God. Okay, no. I was about to throw my computer out the window. <laughs> Chris, Chris goes, should we just do this in Livewire? Would that be easier? Um, and then we had a little back and forth, and then uh. Basically, Chris was like, if you can convince Bogdan that this is the right thing to do, then you have my blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to convince Bogdan that Livewire is better here. Okay. So we're going to at some point need to discuss that. Okay. So that we can uh, basically, I can just send Bogdan this in. episode. I do free and consulting for Daniel. Oh, yeah, that's true. For Daniel's company. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just pull me in. Yeah, pull you in whenever. And like... Even if like my points aren't aren't good enough uh-huh. to like convince him, just the social pressure of like me having written it and being in his presence, like mm-hmm. depending on how he is, 
like over time in the call, he might just concede because of that. Well, Bogdan is traditionally the like, I don't know, guys, do we really want to do something that we're not already doing guy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like he's the guy who is hard to convince on things. He's the more. And oh, and, and Chris specified that you you have to convince him beyond just the traditional Bogdan like, all right, whatever, let's just do it. Yeah. Because I'm tired of talking about this version. Yeah. Right. It's like right, Bogdan right. needs to defend it to me. Okay. So anyway, that's where we're at is. So I've got a I've got a thing. So we can start with whichever of those you like. Would you like to talk about Hotwire? Would you like to talk about Christmas? Would you like to talk about... I mean, what what is there to say about about Christmas? There nothing was a break. at all. Zero. There was a break. I intended to do way more than I did. I did almost nothing. It was great. Great. We can talk Done. about the game Factorio. It's a good game. You oh, build a could, oh, oh, dude. Oh, dude on my face. Yes. Game development, bro. Oh. Oh, that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, yeah, game dev. <laughs> Not Hotwire. <laughs> no, but I do want to talk about game development at some point because I've been having fun. We're working on a social game. Is that right? Uh-huh. Is this the game that you pitched to me a while ago? Showed it's a me? Discord bot. Oh. Oh. The fun. Yeah. We've oh. got a whole rule set. We're playing our first round on starting on Sunday if you are into that. But Possibly. you might want to wait until like we iron out some of the kinks before you play it. So this is a game that like interesting dude so the interface is like discord and then you have a bot that like because it's like we have a discord channel with all of our friends in it yeah yeah so it's like how cool would it be if you could just activate this bot in your channel and now everyone's playing a game yep okay so i'm gonna kind of like like um what's the word like uh i don't know i'm gonna like damn it i can't think of the word whatever daniel is is does the bot ask does the bot are you asking the bot questions that it has programmed answers to that are like thematic to the game or is the bot more of like a scorekeeper mm-hmm. or is is that more like the bot so is the, like the bot is like the game the gm okay of the game so the bot knows that it's a hidden information game so not nobody knows the whole picture of what's going on in the game except for the bot sweet uh this game is largely ripped off from like the survivor system of like voting people oh cool 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 because you love survivor yeah especially season 21 we all do our whole group of friends love survivor cool um and so yeah it's largely influenced by survivor but with like a lot of tweaks to make it more fun to play in this context oh my gosh dude not really tweaks like it's actually a totally new game but it's strongly influenced by survivor the bot's name is Littlefinger. Like from, okay. oh, have you seen Game of Thrones? You haven't seen Game of Thrones? No. Okay. In Game of Thrones, there's a character named Littlefinger who is like a sneaky guy who's always like telling this one person this little piece of information that causes yeah. them to go do a bunch of shit. Okay. Um, so the boss name is Littlefinger because he occasionally leaks specific pieces of information. Yeah. And so like everyone is playing off of like public and private information that Littlefinger is cool. either leaking specifically to them or to the group as a whole. And so we've got yeah. we've got a rule set and everything, and we're going to beta test it with a human playing Littlefinger. Sweet. And then once we iron out like how we like the game to be built, awesome. then we can turn Littlefinger into a Discord bot. That's brilliant. That's yeah. perfect. Great strategy. So John is Love Littlefinger. It. Of course. Yeah, of course. Sitting there eating his popcorn, uh-huh. sipping on his soda stream. Yep. 
That's awesome. So anyway, that's starting Sunday. We're doing our first playthrough. So that'll be cool. Okay. Yep. 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 Um, yep, 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 yep. Oh, so uh, we'll just get over this. I'm not, we won't go into the game stuff, but I'll just like give you my equivalent of what you just gave me. Mm-hmm. I, so my uncle, um, Hannah's uncle, mm-hmm. Uncle Dan, who everyone calls Uncle Dan. He doesn't have kids. So everyone is his, you know, niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Dan is, uh, he's like an escape room guy. Um, we probably right. talked about him before. He's yeah, the yeah, escape yeah. room guy. Um, he's brilliant. He's a math professor and is just like so creative and fun so he's always every party we have ever he creates a game for us did i already talk about this you to me but not to the okay listener yeah so like literally every party like when we get together with her family for christmas like everybody's exchanging gifts and then uncle dan you know i don't know like like last year we all he just put one gift in the middle mystery box puzzle that you yeah like we opened and like oh they're all black light flashlights you know Uh and then like that's how it starts and then you just start exploring the house and you find you know it's it could be like a math type puzzle it could be but it's it's usually just a general like type escape room ish thing but he's always coming up with these these game type puzzly things Mm -hmm. so i thought i would give him this a similar experience as a thank so he Whatever he did, this huge game thing to get our to get your Christmas gift this year, and and it was like a whatever, like it was a pool of generally good Christmas gifts, and you play the game to like get the gift that you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like instead of just writing him a thank you card, I thought like oh like I should I should have him unlock a thank you card that just says like thank you, you know. But mm-hmm. he should go through this like whole rigmarole, and the whole point is like whatever. So anyway, so I started you know having all these crazy ideas and then i realized like if i don't do this on with web development this is never going to get done like because right. i'm not productive if not for the computer like mm-hmm. i'm a good i'm a productive programmer and that's about it mm-hmm. so i started i was like i should just make a website and so the whole thing is like a, a website escape room it's one page it's written in alpine entirely and it's one text box so kind of like advent of code where like every step you have to put in a password but you get the password in creative ways and every yep. stage starts with just a text box yeah, so it's, it's like very a ctf fun and puzzly what's ctf it's like a hacking thing where it's like you have to go find the password on this machine oh yeah yeah right yep um very fun and but but it's all like using gimmicks of web development you know mm-hmm. like things i can do with the page with css and javascript so it's yeah, fun so anyway the final dom, dom good because dom good the final stage of this is that you type a direction into the text box. It just shows D-O-W. And if you guess to type down, the whole text box starts just going down on the page. And there's a black dot in the middle. And then you can type right and left and up and move the text box around the page. Mm-hmm. And so every time you hit the dot, there's a counter that says 10 and it starts dropping down. Every time you hit the dot, the dot moves to random place on the page. Mm-hmm. But your the box gets faster. So you have to get better at like... Pinning so it's kind of like playing snake, but you have to like type in the directions. Yes. And except it doesn't loop like snake does. If it goes off right. to the left, it doesn't come in the right. It just stops at the mm-hmm. edge, which actually makes it harder. Um, but whatever. So you learn quickly like left and up are the easiest combinations that are fast to type that you can like always go like to the right and then type left and up really fast to get to your thing. Whatever. And then the final stage, but I won't go into it, but it's very difficult and it takes a long time. Um, and I had a ton of fun with it cause I had to get into like, oh, like I need like a loop and like a game loop and a frame rate and coordinates and like drawing things. And, um, so I started going down that road. Anyway, I made a board game called Pinto. I made a Flappy Bird clone and I got really into canvas 
And that's no when shit. my eyes opened and I was like, holy crap, HTML5 canvas, game loops, drawing, updates, you can do anything. So mm-hmm. I've been super jazzed about it and it's so much fun. framework? Game dev framework? Um, I don't know. I'm avoiding any frameworks. Um, and I, I could see how like physics frameworks are so useful. Basically sure. collision detection and physics are the things that I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I could see how this would get unbelievable to manage yourself. But just like making gravity. Have you played tabletop simulator? Do you know about tabletop simulator? Um, I think I do. Go so ahead, tabletop then. simulator is a game on steam. Yeah. That- Literally, you can play like Dominion and Catan and stuff like that. Any right? any board game, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that it works is like the rules of the game, the rules of the game you're playing, don't exist in Tabletop Simulator. What exists in Tabletop Simulator are like all of the individual pieces, mm. and it's basically just a physics simulator hmm. with a few convenience things like stacking cards, shuffling cards, dealing cool. cards. Yep. Right. But other than that, it's like you can like pick up a thing and throw it, you know, or mm-hmm. like it's just like a physics simulator. So Sweet. John just recently made like a two player heads up card battle game mm-hmm. just in his spare time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so he's been like testing that with all of us. So all of us will just hop on tabletop simulator with him and like. It's really cool because for rapid prototyping, like if a card's not working or whatever, he doesn't need to like reprint it or rewrite it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're not playing on like a janky, like, you know, index cards or whatever that you would normally prototype with. Like you're playing on like nice, well-designed cards and like you've got all these chits and tokens and stuff. Sweet. Um, But yeah, it's a really fun experience for prototyping games and stuff. That's awesome. I I recently in a in the Ergodocs newsletter, like the mm-hmm. one of my the only like email newsletters I love and follow, which is hilarious because it's just like a keyboard newsletter, but they always mm-hmm. have great stuff and I always tell the show about it like I'm doing right now. And there was this bit at the bottom about basically what you're describing but for card games. It's like playing cards online playing cards.io or playing cards.io, uh-huh. I don't know. So we set it up to play cards for like our Christmas Eve family celebration that we had to do remotely. Yeah, and so but it's the same thing. Like what I card game created do you play as a family. Um, usually we play up and down right now. Um, yeah, nobody does. It's a, uh, it's a really fun game. You know euchre. I know of euchre. Okay, I've never played it. It's is euchre- it like a trick es- game. Um, it is. Yes, it is a trick game. Uh, the the cool thing about it is every you deal out one card to everybody at first and then you like play your hand whatever then the next time you deal out two cards to everybody mm-hmm. and then three and mm-hmm. then four and then five and then you go back down so that's the up and down and then you're taking tricks the whole time and yeah so like yeah. if i have five cards in my hands there's going to be five tricks and but the thing is i bid on how many i'll take before mm-hmm. we start that round so that's like bridge yeah okay and if i get it on then i get a zero added to my my amount of tricks so i make like mm, or i get a one added so if i get five tricks it's 15 points if i miss the mark if i get zero tricks and accurately predicted it, it's 10 points if i miss the mark it's zero points gotcha um, and then you go up and down that's what we play interesting um so there's actually a pretty good bridge game called tricky bridge okay for the iphone that i just discovered it's really fun it teaches you the rules of bridge and there's like a little bit of a story like you you meet this robot who like runs this bridge club that's going out of business and like they uh, the whole time you're playing like 
creditors are calling him on the phone trying to get money out of him and stuff. <laughs> it's like a cute little story. But basically, he needs a bridge partner so that he can go to the big bridge competition and win so that he can keep the bridge club alive. Where and is you this are, game? This is on... This is a computer? It's on iOS. Okay. And it's okay, called Tricky on. Bridge. So it's just a good little bridge game for the phone. Interesting. So I had never played bridge before. I'd played like spades and hearts and other trick games. It's bridge, bridge isn't the one with like the windy board, wooden board thing. No, no. That's cribbage. Cribbage. Right. Okay, go on. Bridge is like hearts or spades. Okay. You know, but you have a partner like you do in spades. Yep. Um, And uh, basically like you have to, you bid for how many tricks you think you're going to get. Yep. And um, what you want the Trump suit to be. Oh, cool. And so, so basically, say like I have a lot of hearts, but I have very few clubs, right? Yeah. I would want the Trump suit to be hearts. So I'm going to bid like two and hearts, which means I think I'll get two more tricks than the opposing team. Yep. And I want the suit to be hearts. Yeah. Right? And they basically can either increase the number and say, actually, I want three and I want it to be clubs. And so at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, I'm not willing to push this number up anymore. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to have to let them control what the Trump suit is, you know? Yep. And so then, yeah, so it's it's complicated. The rules of bridge are complicated, which is why it's really good that there's this like interactive teaching guide that's really good Mm. where... Mm -hmm you play a version of bridge with each rule oh, cool. and then they add another rule oh, and then you play so a, cool. you know what i'm saying and so that. then it takes like you have to play bridge like 10 times before you have all the rules really okay but by the time you get through it you know all the rules of bridge and nice. you appreciate the complexity of it cool that sounds like um another game we play called pepper, pepper. that i'm sure pepper. nobody's ever heard of maybe like five percent of this podcast um, but it's really cool because it's basically like euchre and not euchre, I guess, combined. Everybody gets dealt. It's a complete, um, what's the, like, there's no, there's no kitty would be the term, I think. So there's no cards that aren't in play. So every card is dealt, but it's just the, what are you laughing at? What is a kitty? It's a, I think it's a word for the little deck, like, um, like in euchre or some game that has like. Like where you deal out five cards to everybody, but there's like 10 left and they're in a pile uh-huh, uh-huh. that just aren't in play. Gotcha. I think that's the kitty. Okay. I think. It's like it's like when people talk about cricket and they just say all these words that are uh-huh. like, yeah, he hit a he hit a banana over the bonga dong. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? Did he? Card game kitty. I don't even know how to spell kitty. Now, I okay. 10 kid-friendly card games. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to find it. Um. Anyway. So this game's cool because it's like you start with the the reduced, you know, deck that hearts or euchre or whatever, that deck, mm-hmm. and then you deal out uh, all the cards and then you look at your hand and you, I think you have a partner, maybe not, and you're deciding if you want to call euchre and if you do, then you're deciding what suit to call and you're predicting how many you can take. So just like bridge, like you're talking what about. What it's calling euchre? So if you're you're saying I want to play by euchre rules, mm-hmm. which basically means like pick a trump suit, highest one wins with the jacks being left and right bow or whatever, and then you can choose a different game. You can choose that you're gonna choose a uh, high 
high cards. Oh, interesting. So and then you it's like just high cards. After the deal, you decide which game you're playing, basically. Yes. And you can decide low cards, which is crazy. Because like a nine is the best card. And like how do, nine who, high. who gets to decide? Does it rotate who gets to decide? So you bid without saying the game. You just bid knowing the game oh, you would pick. And then whoever gets the winning whoever bid. Whoever gets it chooses the game. That's funny. Yeah, it's super fun. Cool. We love it. Yeah, I would enjoy that. It's a very, very fun game. We should do playingcards.io sometime. We should. And it's a, and it's extra fun because it's it tweaks your brain a little bit because there's because it's zero whatever. There all the cards are in play. So yeah. every card will be played. So you have to if if the card that's going to beat your card hasn't been played and it's the last hand like yeah. It's an inevitability. So it changes the way you think about it, which is right. Fun. So this is something I've been learning in Bridge is like if you have like king through jack, hmm. it yeah. kind of sucks cuz like you at some point like need to find a way to bait that ace. Yep. And like if they if they have more trump more spades than you thought they had or whatever, yeah. Like they can just ride you out and like screw up your bid just by like hanging on to that ace. So like if you have just the ace of something, there's like a whole strategy to like not playing that ace and how you can get to not playing that ace. Hmm. Because it creates like, oh, like a chilling protecting effect. the ace with like a lower card of the same suit, so you're not forced to play the ace. You're saying right. So yeah, you can yeah, protect yeah. it until or it's like in your control. never leading, never leading that suit. Yeah, you know, so that you like always have it, or you know, or like even sometimes like not trumping on certain hands where you could. Yep. Just to keep that ace around and forcing them to like lead their queen or something so that you can win on the queen right or something. So you, you can know? trounce them yeah yeah i mean the, all of those games share those exact thought processes yeah, yeah, which yeah. are very fun it's yeah. interesting but it's interesting when you're like going into like bidding where it's like well man i have like i have like six clubs but like not the ace so it's like that's yeah. like three less than having five clubs and the ace you know there's just like way gotcha, less hands yeah, yeah. that you can actually win. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't know like who you has would the ace. Think it, with Pepper, it's it's way more extreme because it, there's... Yeah, because it's also like, what if this gets inverted? And what if the ace sucks well, now? Well, that, but, it, but really because all the cards are out there, there's no like, like there's a chance that I'll get away with this. It's like... Well, no, that's, no in Bridge, all the cards are out there too. Okay, so it's yeah. airtight. Yeah. So like if you get, if you choose lows or whatever, so like nine is low... And you have like all the same suit you have, or not of the same suit doesn't matter. You know, it does matter because the suits still matter for mm-hmm. f- with leading whatever. So if I have like a nine, ten, jack, queen, king of that suit, I mean, I could just throw all those cards out there. I know I'm going to win every one of them, and then people could pick from their hand and whatever. But if I have like a nine, and then oh, actually, if I if I have a nine and then the jack, I'm also going to win, depending on how many more I have, with just math to know like. That mm-hmm. oh somebody has that ten so they'll have to play it when I throw out my nine, which makes me good for the jack and the queen. Or if you don't have the nine, you're effed. That's the thing. You could have yeah, you could yeah. have ten through everything else, and you're totally effed. Yeah. yeah. So I the know, other interesting rule of bridge is that whoever wins. So like when you're bidding, you and your partner don't know what each other have. So you're trying to communicate with your partner through your bids. Ah yeah yeah right. So like yeah. I would start by bidding like one spade. Because I'm communicating with my partner, I have spades, but like if you don't, I only want to have like a one bid. Yep. And so my partner might respond by saying two spades. 
Mm. Which means like, yeah, right. we got spades. You got baby. that other one, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But the interesting thing is whoever wins the bid, their partner sits out that round. Oh. And their hand gets flipped upside down. The whole table can see it. Interesting. And the person who won the bid plays both hands. Mm. Um, cool. Which is crazy because you can do smart things like voiding one suit in your hand and another suit in your partner's hand hmm. so like i'm gonna get rid of all my hearts yep. he's gonna get rid of all of his clubs and then that way anytime hearts or clubs are played one of us can, can play trump. a trump yeah and then like you play like high trump from one and low trump from the other or you know like you you yep. like match them so that you can optimize your cards yep so there is an advantage to winning the bid but yeah it's really interesting that's cool yeah, that's like like in Euchre, you can go it alone where you think you have... I mean, this is actually not similar in any way except for the other person doesn't play. Mm -hmm. But you can just be like, I'm going in alone and then you're on your own. And if you take all the tricks, then you get like double points or whatever. But anyway, Bridge sounds super cool. I should yeah, learn that. It's interesting. That's interesting cool. game. Like once you get the basics of all these games, like I imagine Bridge is much less intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Because it probably shares. There's a, a lot, lot of rules, but but it sounds this, like it this has iOS game does a good job. You should install it on your iPad or something and like play with it. Um, yep. it's very cute. The art's nice and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, we we spent like an hour on on card games there. Oh yeah, I knew we would. Yeah. Once yep. you get into it. What did we want to talk about? Um. Hotwire, hotwire, hotwire. Hotwire.com. I will say that I. I think I told, I don't know if I told you this, but I was going to name Livewire Hotwire, but I didn't want to compete with hotwire.com, like mm. the domain. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I remember the conversation and Did I remember talking to- Did you think of the HTML to, over the wire thing? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't at all. I didn't. No way. If you had, you might've done it. Anyway. Yeah, that is crazy that I didn't think of that, which is yeah. so stupid of me, but- but yeah, I, I thought of it and I remember, I think, talking to Jonathan Rennick on a call about different names and whatnot and pitching that. I don't know. Because I asked a lot of people like what mm -hmm. it was Lightwire, Livewire, Hotwire, or maybe those were the big ones. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Dude stole my name. Huge jerk. Mm. How, so, uh, how are you feeling about Hotwire existing? Yeah. I mean... So I guess my initial reaction was... Your initial tweet was like, it's so great to see an idea validated by someone else doing it. <laughs> <laughs> or something. That's what it is. That was yeah. the tweet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, initially I was like just on edge because I I knew that it was going to drop and I knew... And I also like DHH kind of wants Taylor to like do hotwire stuff and to support uh -huh. it. And, you know, he wants it to blossom another ecosystem. So, yeah. So if Taylor wants to get on DHH's good side or wants to just like, you know, I don't know. Or appease him or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Like, he could totally just be like, all right, cool. Hotwire it is. Let's make a Laravel adapter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so there's that. And so so there's definitely was that in like the, the lowness for me. It was like, am I out of a job? Is everybody going to use Hotwire? Because this is before I knew anything about it and I had just mm -hmm. read the the wording around it and the yeah. messaging around it which it's really explained as as what livewire wants to be like mm -hmm. it is explained as what livewire is and then what livewire wants to be with the web sockets and the mobile stuff mm -hmm. and the full page stuff so like mm -hmm. i basically am reading this and i'm like 
oh my gosh, like this company that has all these people delivered on the thing I want to deliver on and it's going to take me years. They delivered on it in one day. Right. Um, Which at first felt like a little bit crushing. Um, But then after digging into it, I no longer feel that way at all. So I guess. Right. It does. It does solve different problems. Totally. Yes. It's a totally different thing. It's not. It's so different in nature to Livewire. Um, so I guess the part, there's always a part of you that's like, oh, now there's another option mm-hmm. that, and it's not even like some people avoid, and I avoid the word competition a lot, mm-hmm. but in reality, like this, so like it's bad to say that it's a competing framework, but it is in the it sense is. that yeah. if you use Hotwire, you're not using Livewire. Right. So in that sense, and that that's my like test for like, like Vue is a compete Alpine is a competing framework to Vue.js. Mm-hmm. If you use one, you're not using the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so in the sense that it's a competing framework, of course, re- put out by the guy who revolutionized the way we all make web apps and basically gave us all the jobs we have. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's like, oh, shoot. Okay. And then in the other sense, it's like, all right, in the broader sense, I can start referencing Hotwire and now people understand Livewire better mm-hmm. in the broader ecosystem. Because right now, you know, there's, it just seems like this, you know, we've talked about this a thousand times, whatever. You we feel like kind of an underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gone. So that's a good thing. And then, uh, yeah, it becoming like prominent in the Laravel community and, and overtaking Livewire, of course, is a fear of mine. But with any fear like that, I have to like, it just like makes me think, okay, the bad way to think about this is to be afraid of it which then will cause you to subconsciously tear it down all the time mm-hmm. and diminish it, whatever. The good way to handle it is to go head on into it and like learn about it, use it, see what's good about it, take what you think is good, leave what you think is bad, create something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but like like I'm sort of alluding to, well, there's they so also many have fundamental... To do, to do that, right? To do what? To win the Laravel war. Right. If to, yes. to like become dominant in the marketplace of like back end on the front end frameworks in the Laravel ecosystem. Yes. Yeah. Like they're coming into a crowded space. There's already live wire. There's already inertia. Mm-hmm. Right. So like yeah. most of the people who had that problem and were actively looking for a solution have already picked one. Yep. And have it in their code. Um, the people who are available to grab are the people who have been like interested in live wire and inertia, but haven't been able to pull the trigger or yeah. haven't pulled the trigger for some reason or another. Cause they're scared. And, uh, but even then they still need to build all of the Laravel backend tooling for it, which they don't have yet. Right. Yeah. Like they need to make this a Laravel plugin, <laughs> you know? So, right. And the thing is that's much easier than Livewire, which is, and it, because it's, um, it's a different experience as a framework. Right. right. So like to make a Livewire port, well, one, you don't even have to make a live, a Laravel port. Right. You can just return the HTML that, you know, turbo, whatever knows Mm -hmm. turbo streams and whatnot knows how to interpret. Mm -hmm. And there you go. There's your framework. I think the only framework level optimization stuff would be like WebSockets. And broadcasting events, you know, listening for um, an event to be broadcasted and then keeping a WebSocket connection with the front end to then stream that HTML over WebSockets mm-hmm. instead of over Ajax. 
And you're going to have trouble. I mean, you're going to run into all the same WebSocket issues you ran into. Yeah. So actually, the the good thing is that um, if uh, I don't even know the guy's name, I should know it. He might even be a listener of the show. I know him sort of, but he's the one who's like trying to like he's creating like a hotware package and mm-hmm. I think he's putting it out soon. Um, and he's using he's using Laravel Echo. And I think he's using Spotsy's WebSocket or Marcel's WebSockets package that mm-hmm. you can use as like a pusher replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so like does that, that depend on Node no. and Socket.io? Or does no, it just use it uses, the PHP WebSocket stuff? Like React PHP. Ratchet or whatever it's called. I think this one's React PHP. Okay. Could be wrong. Could be Ratchet. Um, but yeah, so so the, the benefit of that for me is that that like okay, if there's another thing out there using WebSockets, then there's more, you know, like they can figure it out and I can use their stuff or we can figure it out together or, mm-hmm. you know. Or they more... can at least validate the idea that yeah. WebSockets and PHP is a viable strategy. Exactly. So that that is a good thing. Um, and then what is the, yeah. So So anyway, that is something that I would love to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um we should clear up like we should talk about Hotwire and how it works and how different it is. Mm-hmm. But we should talk about like now I'm like, OK, I want to get this rewrite done, which I'm so excited about and whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of excitement there. But um, because like this has given me kind of the kick in the ass where I'm like, OK, I have to deliver on a few of these big things. Mm-hmm. And you, you know? got to stay out front or What's in that? order to stay out front. You have to deliver on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like like I. I'm with it. Like, yeah, like WebSockets are, are good. Like I, Livewire should have a WebSocket offering. So um, here's the question, right? Is like, yeah. when we initially, before Livewire had a name, when we initially were talking about like Livewire, when it was a WebSockets project. Yeah. Um, it, the issue was like concurrency, right? And like, can I handle enough concurrent WebSocket connections, whatever. And the initial solution was, well, why don't you default to WebSockets and then fall back to Ajax? Yep. Right? And then eventually, I think you even built that. Yep. And then you were like, fuck these WebSockets. They're not doing anything for me. Let's just do all Ajax. Yeah. Um, so if you were to build a WebSocket thing, would you still, considering the fact that like concurrency is an issue, would you mm-hmm. still go the route of like web sockets that fall back to ajax yeah i don't see myself uh i probably would it's there's trade-offs like the big it's all, trade-off it's trade-off. is it's all trade-offs all the way down um if you really commit to the web sockets paradigm for the live wire paradigm 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 mm-hmm. then you can keep a bunch of state on the server and leave it there and not have as big of requests going back and forth because the data is just on the server. Um, yep. If you want to offer those fallbacks, then you have to make sure the front end has enough state that it can get itself going with the Ajax, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, if you... Do you break the Ajax stuff if you start writing code expecting there to be stuff on the server? Oh, what do you mean? Well, I'm just saying, like, are you talking about like rewriting the base communication layer to like mainly be a WebSocket layer and like? It's tough. So here's what would be so easy. Mm-hmm. I could do this like 
we could we could hop on a pair and get this driver done in like 10 minutes mm-hmm. a driver that basically instead of making ajax requests just maintains a web socks <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like and that's what it started out as yeah. actually that's not entirely true but yes um we could do that right away and that mm-hmm. would that would offer a ton of benefits and would mm-hmm. be faster it would it would be faster and it would now yeah it would get all the web sockety stuff um but there's so many other potential things that I would want to make sure I'm not I wouldn't want to head in that direction without really knowing that a better that there's not better directions to head in mm-hmm. for example um like it kind of starts with can we back up and talk about what Hotwire is first? Sure. Do you know what Hotwire is? I knew better right when it came out. I haven't looked at it all break. It's kind of interesting because you go... So it's like a combination of things, first of all. Like there's different yes. named components of Hotwire. Hotwire is a conglomeration of a few different components. Yep. The most interesting of which is called Turbo. Yes. So if there's Turbo, there's me. Stimulus, uh-huh. and then there's Strata. Strata. So Turbo is like Turbo Links, but a bunch of extra stuff. And that's pretty right. much what we're talking about is Turbo. Right. Stimulus is the Alpine is offering. Stimulus. Right. Yeah, it's Stimulus. And then Strata is the native part that is not out yet. Right. Um, mobile native stuff. Mm-hmm. So the so Turbo so has components stimulus within Stimulus and it. Strata are, uh, are the front end components, one for mobile, one for web. Yeah, I don't even know that per se. Like the stim, like I don't know if you're saying that is true, and I should just accept what you're saying. Or no, if you're I'm, I'm, me. I'm sort of asking and right. stating it. I'm stating it as a. I'm not sure about this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Right. So I mean, stimulus is Alpine-ish in the way that it's just front-end JS mm-hmm. manipulations. Strata is uh, like would give you the mobile the web frame wrapper probably give you the mobile navigation mm-hmm. utilities and stuff like that so you'd still write all your logic in the stimulus and then just wrap it in strata and then uh, you have an app yes but i like i think the link between stimulus and strata isn't any stronger than the link between turbo and strata you sure. would use them all strata would be like you could build your full web app with turbo and stimulus and then when you want to put it on a phone you would wrap it in strata that mm-hmm. that's my impression cool um because they're just web views inside of that web app. So the web views are going to load the turbo JavaScript and the stimulus JavaScript. Okay. But they are still web views. They're still web views. Yeah. Yep. So whatever. That's Lame. my guess. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they, that it would not be web view based approach. Cool. I like literally can't imagine it. So that is less of a problem from my perspective. What's that? Like, well, if you actually created like a good, um, like mobile adapter that wasn't web view based. Yeah. Uh, that would blow their shit out of the water because web views are terrible. I don't think for so. Mobile apps. <laughs> You're I don't know. totally wrong. You're you absolutely so? wrong. Web views for mobile apps are trash. Really? Yeah. Web views with native trappings, like native container, you like native, native, tra- you mean like native uh, navigation, like window Chrome like or that. whatever. Yeah. Trash. Like, I mean, like, um, like you might have like a native bar at the bottom for like choosing the different like view you want, like that kind of deal, you know? Right, like a like a tab bar at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. The, but the but bulk of it just, is is web views. But having like a native tab bar between. Why do you web say it's bad? Is, I I it's just like, nasty. Really, it's what like apps have yeah, you yeah. used that? Well, you don't use an iPhone. This is the thing. All of your apps suck. 
<laughs> you are on Android where apps are just literally like as bad as websites. Um, you know, I but wanna... on the iPhone, we actually have good apps that are good. And so people like using apps, right? Because apps are better than websites. In the Is same that so? way that like you would, you know how, you know how Electron apps feel on your Mac as compared to like good apps that are not Electron apps? Yes, but it's getting blurrier. Sure, like it's getting, it's getting blurrier, but like, it's not blurry enough. <laughs> I mean, I use VS Code, and it's totally Electron, and it's, I love it. VS Code's getting worse, too. Don't talk to me about no, VS Code. Oh, my gosh, Daniel. It's getting go. worse. <laughs> Daniel. You, oh, Daniel. <laughs> can I tell you how many of my extensions are disabled right now because I'm trying to figure out why VS Code is broken? Writing code is a nightmare for me right now. My tab sure completion's sad. gone. Everything's broken right now because sure something sad. broke VS Code in an update and I can't figure out which of my extensions did it. It's really bad. I don't know, dude. Um, I don't have that problem. VS Code is great. Uh, you know, you just got to make it awesome. Yeah, you just need to um, buy my $100 <laughs> course on how to make this bad software good. Um, Slack is Electron. Slack yeah, it's Slack's is a bad great. app. Dude. Oh my gosh. It is not. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know what's like a really, like a really, really, like a good app? What's that? Uh, Audio Hijack. Agreed. It's I mean, like no, I'm with fast, you. Like, it has native interfaces and everything's fast and clicky and crazy and great. And I dig it. I dig yeah. the true native all the way down. Yeah. I do. I have respect for it. Uh-huh. The, but when I use Slack and when I use VS Code, I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. For real. Like yeah. VS Code is plenty fast and good for me like i'm i'm good with it it's great sure slack feels the same way yeah um anyway daniel anyway mm -hmm. where we went on this thing we're fighting I'm, about I'm web just saying, i'm just saying if you <laughs> if you made like a native code extension or like uh i know i hear you right or like a react native extension could, you could make liveware native yeah yes that's way better cool okay like that you, sounds like the you path would make a better to thing misery than Strata. unless I had a massive staff and uh, no, 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 you don't understand. You just make an extension that you like a library that you would pull in if you're already using React Native. Oh, word. Yeah. Interesting. That is just like moves the because there, there's basically like a JSX DOM. Yep. In React Native, right? Yep. So you just like move elements around the JSX DOM. Hmm. It's like not hard. Like you could just let React Native do all of the React stuff that it does. Mm -hmm. Right? You know how like Alpine is managing your DOM management now. You just let React do that. You just write that in React. I don't have the clear picture, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I understand that it's not a closed door. Um, better not be. So you got your Hotwire. Hotwire oh. is one third parts. Turbo, Stimulus, and Strata. Strata. The Turbo part Strata. is broken up into Strata four parts. Strata is the parts. mountain biking app, right? <laughs> oh, what is it? Strava? No, Strava is the, the mountain biking app, I thought. Uh, whatever. Strada. Uh -huh. yep. um, the devil wears Strata. The devil wears Strata. So then Turbo mm -hmm. has Turbo's four... the brains of the operation. Yes, sort of. Uh, Turbo's got Turbo Drive, Turbo Frames, Turbo Streams, and Turbo Native. Mm-hmm. They love their categories um, of things. So Turbo Drive is Turbo Links, mm -hmm. what used to be Turbo Links. Turbo Drive makes your full page reloads work with the HTML over the wire. Mm -hmm. Turbo Frames 
is actually, let me make sure I get this right. Turbo frames, I thought, okay, so turbo frames is like iframes for turbo drive. It's like turbo links, but within an element, you know, mm-hmm. you, you would declare a frame sure. within your page yep. and then that frame would have its own navigation and stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. So I don't know. You could lazy load a turbo frame. I don't know what scope navigation necessarily means, but you're basically splitting up your thing. So like think body of the page different than sidebar, like two yep. different frames. I don't know. Something like that. Yep. Okay. Then you got your turbo streams. And this is the part because so far I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I sourced, I mean, I just opened up dev tools with Hey app a while ago just to look at like, okay, they're talking about this magic. What are they doing? And I saw a bunch of this like frame stuff and was mm-hmm. like, okay, they're, ma- they're making turbo links, but with frames. Sure. So turbo streams is the thing. That is the thing that is unique in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing that is new here. Um, and so turbo streams is basically this. So it says deliver page changes over WebSocket or in response to form submissions using HTML instead of CRUD-like actions. So Turbo Streams, with Turbo Streams, you can return a chunk of HTML from a mm-hmm. request and tell the front end what element to swap this into. But you have CRUD action, so you can decide, do you want to update that element to include this? Do you want to append this HTML to the innards of that, that element? And then I guess I don't know what about delete, and I'm sure there's some story for delete and create. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the thing is like, yes. So that is it. That's the whole story. Then there's turbo native, which I don't understand. So this is, oh, interesting. Maybe Strata is different because turbo native seems to be what I was describing with the web view wrappers. What's Strata? Let's just look up what Strata is. Seamless transitions between web and native sections. That's what turbo native is. Interesting. Um, All right, so hotwire.dev. Strata standardizes the way that web and native parts of a mobile hybrid application talk to each other via HTML bridge attributes. Makes it easy to progressively level up web interactions with native replacements. So maybe this is like state management stuff and like, like maybe offline mode PWA type stuff. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Strata will premiere in 2021. So we don't have information about Strata yet. Right. Yep. Okay. So the clear picture that I'm trying to paint and that like, so we have a clear picture of all of the landscape of Hotwire. Yes. Except for Strata. Yes. Except for Strata. And so really the unique thing to talk about here is turbo streams. Cause everything else is like, we already know about. Sure. Um, and so basically like that was the news to me was like, oh, this is totally fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. to live view and live wire where live view and live wire you have a component on the back end right and so frames is sort of like things that we've talked about right every time you've talked about like i need to build my uh turbo links replacement you know the the, yes, the mythical turbo frames tur- yes the mythical turbo links replacement that you've talked about one of yes. the things that i have consistently pushed for and you have never seen the value in or i don't know if that's yep. true that that might be a that might be an overstatement is that you should be able to, in navigating between full page Livewire components, yep. or like Livewire routes, yep. in navigating between Livewire routes, um, there should be some checking to see if we're like using the same layout or if like 
if there's only part of the page that we could replace and that Livewire should be able to handle that, which is sort of similar to TurboFrames, but less explicitly defined and more like ad hoc. Yes. But and like that, that sort of like partial page replacement stuff is like, that's on your radar. That's not like foreign to you. Right. I'm driving for that. We, yeah. we hashed it out on this show. We, you know, the last version of Livewire, you worked on a ton of stuff that is going to work towards that. The thing where we differ that you're talking about is that you want sub-component uh, like intelligence. Right. Like if you go to, if you have that frame already and the next frame is like subtly different, mm-hmm. you want to not destroy the state and to just like move it forward yeah. optionally, uh-huh. you know? which is like which the is next level that I, I'm like, okay, I could see that yeah, maybe, yeah. but like it might make my life 80% harder and add 10% of value. Right, right. Um, but no, I, the subframe thing is a priority that yeah, would yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the, the turbo streams thing where you're just sending bits of HTML with crud like actions, um, that's the part that I'm like, oh, okay. So they're fundamentally different. This is very imperative, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like you are. So like, let's talk about the list of tweets. Yeah. Right. So list of tweets, blah, 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 blah. Um, new tweet gets created on the back end. Yep. Right. And because of the magic of WebSockets, it just kind of gets pushed to the front end. Yes. And what the happens? HTML. What happens? So yeah, so I get the HTML, which is like the div ID equals tweet number five. Yep. Right? What so happens So they use web div? components, so it's actually like a turbo stream element. Sure. That has like a target or like attribute with mm-hmm. a CSS selector. Sure. So then it finds its selector and it knows that it should append itself because it's in, you put that in the attribute. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, like the JavaScript is like, find the selector and then append this element. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, Done deal. now a bunch of likes happen on that tweet, right? Okay, yep. And so that div needs to update to show like, to go from showing like a heart with a one to showing mm-hmm. like a heart with like a 25. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. And so then that basically goes in and replaces the previous version of itself. Yes, yep. Yeah, so I imagine that there's some sort of system for like append or update. Uh-huh. Here's this the ID. Yeah. Right. So the thing that is like not so clear to me, right? Mm-hmm. Is like how do I manage all of this? Yep. Right? So like I yeah. don't have like a full page live wire component or even just a live wire component. Right. To you like just have direct routes and controllers this and from. Yeah. Right? So like what So, like, somewhere there is an endpoint that just returns a chunk of HTML that is a single tweet. Right? Yep. Um, and, like, where is that and what is calling that and what is the architecture on the back end for this app look like? Yeah. That's, that's the really interesting thing to me is, like, how do you do you now just have a ton because these are all really like a million controllers? Updates. Yeah, do you have like a zillion controllers that Dog return little bits experience. of HTML? Yeah. Um, so th- this truly, honestly, like I'm literally, I'm, not, I'm in this world to stop writing controllers. I'm not in this world to have sixty yeah. more controllers. So I think this is the thing that that is probably I think the benefit of Turbo Streams is the ability to have the most granular control over the updates that happen. So right. you're sending the minimum, minimum amount of HTML. Right. So someone could make Livewire with Hotwire as the 
technical underpinnings. Someone could make a component-based... Um, Interesting. Like a component-based solution for Rails or for Laravel or for whatever, but they use Hotwire as the transport layer. So, I mean, you could use Hotwire... You could build a, a Livewire replacement with Hotwire if you could just like guilt-free replace the entire component template every time, every mm-hmm. update. But like if you wanted to preserve parts of the template, you would have to like somehow intelligently describe like, you know what I mean? Like which template updates should be updated, which parts of the template should be updated when. And you mm. can do that by like diffing the old HTML and the new HTML on the back end, or you could append. You mean on the uh, front end doing that or on the no, back on the end? Back doing end. That? Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's like starts on the 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 whole like concept with Hotwire and whatnot is like they don't use morph DOM. They don't have any need to do that DOM diffing on the front end because the diff is already done. You're programming the diff yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And that I think is the fundamental trade off is that Livewire absorbs the complexity of the diff, mm-hmm. and 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 so it has that trade off of like you can optimize the diffs and understand them in a very specific granular way with Turbo Streams. Or with Livewire, you don't have that understanding. You're just sending all the HTML every time. Um, but the benefit is that you can simplify your conceptual model of the thing you're building. It's just yeah. like the templates are reactive, period, done. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that. I mean, I, I'm not, I think like that, that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm not, I, I, can, I can like not panic mm-hmm. because I think this for me, this will be the same experience of like, I love the philosophy of stimulus. Love it, love it, love it. Hate the experience of writing it. So I built Alpine. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the reverse, but I feel the same way. Like, yeah. I feel like, like this all makes sense in principle and is very, you know, reasonable. Yeah, but doesn't um, provide like the niceties that you exactly. want. Right. Yeah. So I am interested, just like, let's do this like theoretically so that like some like clout chaser out there can who's going to like come for your neck you know (laughs) here's here it is if you want to come for caleb's neck here's what you build okay you build something that handles that basically implements morph dom or doesn't sorry not implements morph dom but implements some sort of like uh some sort of like dom diffing that then uses turbo what's the transport layer called turbo streams streams and turbo frames, yeah. right? So like basically take the turbo li- uh, repo and use that as your transport layer for some sort of nice component-based framework that does some backend diffing. So you provide, you're basically just providing like a diffing API and then like a component API and then using turbo as your transport layer. And then you come for Caleb's neck and get all that good sponsor revenue and just steal it from him and make his family starve. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That would be tough. I'm trying to envision like, cause there could be another direction to that package that whoever's out there is going to make. Yeah. Um, where like, instead of the liveware approach, mm-hmm. you could take like a really backend knowledgeable approach where, mm-hmm. where the frames are like blade components mm-hmm. and so like a or the streams or whatever. So like if you have some stream that you want to be like appended or whatever, mm-hmm. be like a blade component called um, append me with like a key or something. And then when that changes, like 
backend live backend Laravel tracks the ID. I mean, this is basically what I'm. I have to. I have to build a wire append at some point, and this is my tactic basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually do this exact thing. Okay, here's the thing. Livewire already has this stuff. You can use it because components are treated as frames and streams. So you can actually simulate frames and streams and everything with using nested components. Right. That's the thing is because like, this is why I was saying like that the the concept of like the frame stuff is sort of already apparent to you because like you, your code naturally has boundaries at the component level. Yep. Right. Which makes them very frame like. Right. So the problem with using Livewire in the frame way, so you could use, you could achieve everything you want to achieve that you're achieving with, with uh, whatever, Hotwire, with Livewire, like the exact same deal, but instead every stream is going to be a component mm-hmm. and then you'd have to create some, whatever, we won't get into it. Um, but you could do that. The drawback is it feels like you're working in the wrong way because with frames, there is no scope. Like there's no data context. With Livewire, each component has state, mm-hmm. you know? So when you're nesting everything, you're like, well, damn, all my state is scattered everywhere. Like nothing can talk to each other without having to reach across to these other things. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like you're swimming upstream where if the framework was built so that there was never a concept of shared state or anything, yeah. then you would never feel like you're swimming upstream. You would just be swimming. Right. You know? Yeah. So. I don't know. I'm but I want to figure out. I'm not that likely to ever use this. I feel like the only scenario where I think I'm like that likely to use Hotwire is the scenario where someone builds me a convenience layer on top of it that makes it nice to use. Mm-hmm. That gives me a lot of the things that I've come to enjoy with Livewire, including not having controllers. So what would be the thing that, so then why not use Livewire? Well, that's what I'm doing. Right, okay. In the cases where I can get away with it, speaking of which. Um, but, like, that's the thing. is like the goal is to just always use Livewire and never have a controller ever again, right? Yeah. The only possible benefit of Hotwire, right, is that, like, because they presumably are just going to throw, like, the insane resources of Basecamp at this, that they're going to crack some nut down the road that is like dependent on this transport. Basically that their transport algorithm ends up being better than your transport algorithm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, I think the only place that they can really kick your ass here is like by just building a better transport and like whatever algorithm. Right. By what do you mean by trans, like the algorithm on the front end or like the, the algorithm that makes the front end talk to the back end. Gotcha. I guess, are you saying something that would, because I could see them doing some ridiculous things, but it would be like Rails ridiculous things. What what JavaScript ridiculous things that would they do? Uh, I don't know. That's the thing, right? Is like, that's, but that's what I'm saying is like the only place where I can see this becoming really crazy is like, if they decouple like the communication between backend and front end mm-hmm. from all of the other stuff, right? Because you, for you, in Livewire 1, it was really tightly coupled, mm-hmm. right? The back end and the front end were really tightly coupled and there was like a lot of crossover shit, yeah, right? Yeah. And like slowly as you develop, in the nature of refactors and rebuilds, like you're decoupling these things slowly and now you've got Alpine taking over almost all of the control of the front end 
you know, and you're you're sort of decoupling those things. But I can imagine like the uh the like immediate like data like HTML sent from the back end to HTML on the front end and like the communication layer and the web sockets sure. and the handling the appends and all of that stuff. Like yeah. if that was its own thing and like a bunch of craziness happened there that was really valuable, where like they were able to like get that down to the point where there's like almost no data going back and forth and they're doing like insanely intelligent diffing or something like that, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they could build a layer on top of it that included a bunch of diffing. Yes. So the data, I mean, so basically the place that, that they could like the innovation they would be doing is the stuff that Elixir has already done, which is, you know, like Elixir has like the smallest payloads you'll ever get ever like live view, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's humanly possible to make smaller payloads. Sure. Um, because of their back-end foo. Any front-end foo isn't necessarily going to make the payload smaller. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, word. Yes, of course, no, the, the thing that um, the thing that they have is bigness. Yeah, fame. but I guess what I'm getting at is, like, I don't think I'm ever going to, like, use Hotwire in the way that it's presented. Yeah. I might use a tool that uses Hotwire under the hood at some point. Interesting. Yeah, I don't see... Okay, I hear you. Um, so the question for me to you is I like, if we're going to handle, there's a few things there's still, I want to have the turbo frames equivalent with mm -hmm. live wire. You we should. talked about that. Yeah. Um, but I also want a web socket story. And so I sort of have this question of like, so I like, think, I think you should be realistic about how important web sockets are. Yeah, I think the answer is almost not at all. Because so, because let me let me f like give yeah, a yeah. justification yeah. here. Um, the ten minute story that we talked about, where we could just like knock it out in ten minutes, where it's just an enhancement to Ajax and it's faster. Yes, right, right. and that, like yes. it naturally falls back to Ajax, yeah. right? That you should build. Um, and you should put out, but it's really just like a little nicety. It doesn't matter that much. And if it causes you any trouble at all as a maintainer, you should kill it, honestly. And you know? I would never use it personally. <laughs> right. Or, or like you think... leave, leave it on by default if it like is that easy to do, you know? Yep. But like if other than that, like you're always going to run into the same bullshit PHP concurrency issues. And so you can never build an app that really requires WebSocket features. Okay. Unless you just know that, that you're going to have like infinite money to throw at servers or that you're never going to get popular. Yeah. So I want to figure out, first I want to get the story down. Mm -hmm. Like, and you're right. Say like the, the one story is just a faster live wire, which just uses WebSockets. Yeah. Under the hood the um and that's actually the thing i'm least interested in like right. we've talked about shockingly yeah um so the thing you're interested in is like being able to like trust the back end and have a no. persistent connection and have uh, a part of me is interested in that but i'm even less interested in that i okay. a part of me is like okay so there is a lot to gain by trusting the back end solely but I, mean, I almost don't even want to go down that road. I'm I'm talking like not higher least of level. which is like you get to have like tiny payloads. Tinier. Well, you get to smaller, stop having to like, like have the entire component state passed up again in your 
Yes, but that yeah. is actually not that big of a deal. Okay. Like the big deal in generally the big deal is the big HTML payload going down. Okay. So the big benefit there would be being able to do what LiveView does, which is like some serious like backend HTML parsing to figure out the dynamic parts of the template sure, and sure, only sure. send those when they've changed. Yep. And in fact, only send the thing, the data that changed that caused the template change to the front end so that the front end's like mirrored templating system can recreate the template. Right. It's stupid. I don't think I would want to do that. Like, I don't, I'm not as smart as them, I think, or I like either well, they have a way have higher a tolerance. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But either they have a way higher tolerance for bugs and maintenance or they're way smarter than me. Because if I made that, it is would there be a JavaScript nightmare. written in Elixir and then transpiled to JavaScript? Oh, I don't know. I assume like, it is, for the, right? What's that? Is No, Elixir is a it's a language on top of Erlang. Right, but isn't Elm also on top of Elixir? No, Elm is totally separate. It's a JavaScript transpiler. Right, but isn't it built in Elixir? Oh, what do you mean? Isn't Elm written in Elixir? Like the program Elm that transpiles Elm down to JavaScript? Yeah. I think the language Possibly. Elm is written in Elixir. I could be wrong. So, I mean, because Elm is not, it's not like PHP is written in C, you know, because Elm is a transpiled language. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think the so thing the, that does the transpiling is The thing that does Elixir. the transpiling is Elixir? Totally possible. And all I'm saying is, like, I wonder if, like, I, I assume that there is some sort of, like, Elixir to JavaScript transpilation layer that exists. Maybe I'm wrong. And that's sort of what I thought Elm was. But I have no idea. But no, I mean, Elm is like a standalone framework. But but well, uh, the thing that I'm talking too, about. It? Yes, yes. Anyway, sorry. Um, that's long story. I, I'm taking you away from your point. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Backing up to the point. Point of Liveware WebSockets. Okay. So here's a story. You have a status page. You have, like you have like... um. I don't know, you build Odir app and you mm -hmm. want to show like a live status of a website, you could use polling and be done with it. Or if you don't want to, you know, hammer the server, then what's the story? And right now there is a story in Liveware. Yeah. It's use echo and pusher uh -huh. and add a listener mm -hmm. and call it a day, which yep. works great. Yep. It totally works. It's great. I've used it. It's awesome. The problem, pusher is expensive. Mm-hmm. But it's that trade-off. It's the most reliable thing you can do because it's going to scale infinitely. Mm -hmm. But it's but it costs money. The free version, you know, WebSocket Spotsy's package is going to require configuration and maintenance, and you're going to run into concurrency issues. Maybe I don't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, and then it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just describing that. That's the current offering, and I feel like there's some wild things that. Could so be here's done. the real. And like we talked about this in the OG before Livewire had a name conversation in my living room, right? That you could make this dependent on Node also being installed on your server. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. And use Socket.io. And use Socket.io. And then yep. you, all you have to build is like a good communication layer between your Laravel app and Socket.io. Right. And yes. I think that's still incredibly viable. I think that it's really easy to install Node on a server, and it's really easy. most servers already have Node on them, yep. right? And Socket.io is like a really common dependency, right? And like you don't need a lot of Socket.io features; you just need basic WebSockets, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like 
you could really easily just like make a one-liner yeah that just it's just like sets this up on your server yeah it's pretty interesting yeah i mean i should that is a really good point as something to keep in the tool belt here's the thing i'm interested in but let me like we'll stay out of the implementation and i just want to give you some of my dreams sure i want you to be able to say from anywhere in laravel you're not even thinking about concurrency or anything like Mm -hmm. that i want you to be able to say like oh this is what i want i want you to be able to fire an event in laravel like you do right now Mm -hmm. you see the event helper you pass in the event class Mm -hmm. and then from any liveware component i want you to in listeners when you say protected listeners I want you to be able to just write in the class of an event. You know, like the class, colon, colon, class type deal. Okay. And then a method, you know, that's the key. The value is a method to call or whatever, or just refreshes, whatever. That's what I want. That is the first layer of what I want. I want you to be able to, without thinking, just fire events. And then any liveware component can that's listen that. to those Laravel events right. directly. Right. And then it will react. Sure. So that's the first step of what I want. So that's one thing. Here's a question. Yism. Um, why don't you just build that right now without WebSockets? Um, and then when if you're not WebSockets, then what? Polling. Oh. Okay. Right, and so you just if you like if you're defining a listener in your component. Right. Oh, right. It's then it like just like enables polling like, on that component. Right. That's crazy. And yeah. like it would be trash and people would not prefer it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you build your WebSockets implementation, which is just live wire, but a little bit faster. And one yeah. of the things that it does is while on a WebSockets connection, it like kills this polling thing and just handles the event listening stuff through WebSockets. Yeah. So I would never do the polling thing for real live wire because like I wouldn't build that as like. A feature under the hood that it's just doing for you without telling you personally sure um because i feel like that i just don't want to be on the hook for everybody's server usages that they weren't anticipating well do you um, just put it in the docs like don't do this unless you're sure i'm not interested in it this myself like i i hear what you're saying and I, I could like be down with it as an experiment but i'm not whatever okay i hear what you're saying so so that's like one experience that i want to provide mm-hmm but hey, if you do, if you pull multiple things on a page, mm-hmm. does it like batch up those polls? No, it should. It should. It I should know. create like a water wheel, hard like a like a bus. That. that it. Oh no, it would be hard to do that. Would it? Because I don't currently have any system for handling multiple com- requests to different components in one request. You should build that. <laughs> Which could totally be built. I yeah, don't think yeah. it would be very hard. The only part of me that's like. Huh, do I mess with anything globally because and it's free right now because it's share nothing Laravel run mm-hmm. that I would like, you know, it's like, do I like set the component ID in the app container or do something on in the whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think it would be that tough and I should do that. I should. That'd be so cool because then you could just pull infinite things on the page at all different time sequences and then yeah. polls just get sent at them most frequent of yeah, those right. sequences but they're all then, like aligned they're yeah. all like and then everything gets on the like bus a, yeah that would be a really fun thing to build yeah yeah get on the pole bus yeah it's yeah. like a tick system that's freaking cool that should happen okay so daniel here's something that i think is super interesting mm-hmm. i want to figure out like what's the story ah well here's 
how do I start with this? Here's a fundamental question. Yes. Let's say that little event thing that I told you about. Sure. Let's say that you use Pusher or whatever, a WebSocket connection to build this thing out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right now, you would have to receive the update. The server is the one spurring the update, right? Because mm-hmm. the server, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. And so it says to the front end, hey, you should up any components listening to this event, update yourself. Mm-hmm. That's actually would be great, but mm-hmm. it is kind of a wasted request, you know? Because it's the WebSocket request response goes to the front end. Then the front end has to make a full request to handle that. Right. That, like, so what you would prefer is that the back end knows which extant components yep. um, need to make changes, pre-generates all of those change data, and then in addition, in the same request that says go update yourself, it says, and here's everything you need to do that. Yeah. So that it doesn't have to make the second request. Exactly. Did you like my casual use of the word extant there? Loved it. Loved it. So th- you understand exactly. Um, and then of course, the problem is that well, you need to have a long-running server instance with knowledge of, you know... All of the open components. And... Yeah, which is crazy. So here's my idea. Go. Let me know what you think. Go. What if you could declare yeah. a component as public or shared mm-hmm. or live? Excellent. And now, basically, that component lives on the server and it... The front end and all the state matches up. Like if you if you're looking at that component on your browser, I'm looking at it on my browser. We're getting the feed from that central component on the server. Mm-hmm. So my state manipulations affect you, and yours affect me. Mm-hmm. This way, it would kind of be read only, you know. Or in the ways that you're trying to write, you would be mutating the component, and then that would trigger a WebSocket request down to your machine. You know, there's like crazy implementation like quirks I'm not thinking of. But you know what I mean? Like I maybe could answer this whole thing by being like, what if you could, what if the story for liveness was simply you mark a component as live? Mm -hmm. Does this make sense to you? Sure. What you're saying makes sense to me. Um, But like there's all sorts of like edge cases that I feel like I'm going to run up against immediately. Like what? Well, like, what if I want it to display subtly differently? Yeah, so you wouldn't. You would sure, create no, two I different components. No, I definitely would. I definitely would. So here's an example, right? No, I, I guess I'm not saying that you wouldn't have that need. I'm saying, well, go on. Yeah, you wouldn't me. have that ability. Tell me, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I think you could have that ability. We just need to talk about it more. Okay. Um, so you wouldn't have that need. Definitely not true. You would have the need, right? So let's talk about we're building Slack in the browser, right? We're building Slack in the browser. This is a super common like use case for WebSockets and stuff, right? Um, And so the shared view would be the actual list of messages. All of the window Chrome and stuff would not be shared, right? So the place where I type type my message, that would not be shared. The thing that would be shared is the list of messages in the channel. Exactly. Right? Yep. But like, what if I want it to be where like all of the messages that are so here's a great example. Any message where I am mentioned should be highlighted. Yeah, okay. Right? Great. Perfect example. Perfect example, right? Where it's like, it's yeah. so close to shared, but there's this one thing that's not exactly shared, right? Mm. This yeah. is, these are the types of things that are like now impossible. 
because you're doing like read-only HTML shoved down your throat from the server, right? So yeah, here's the thing. It's not necessarily impossible, but go on. I know it's not impossible. This is what we need to talk about. Here's the thing. You do slots. You do frames, right? Oh. So if you have a message component, okay. right? What the server, the thing that the server is doing is instead of just sending you all the HTML, yeah, it's sending you all of the frames. I haven't figured this out yet. And I got you, yeah. And if there's a frame in there that, so now you deal with like reactivity and, and dependency logic, right? But if there's a frame in there that like depends on one of these pieces of data that we've said are like user specific pieces of data. Yeah. Then for that one, it like, it makes an extra request or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so like it would actually like, I get you, you would get the whole, the whole thing except for the one that was mentioning you. And then you would have to go fetch that yourself or something. Yes. Yep. Interesting. Okay. I understand. I haven't and gotten I think, there completely yet, but right. Me I'm, neither. But I, I think I've gotten as far as you with that idea that like you can like the concept of slots, like mm -hmm. this, everything can be shared except for a slot, this slot and the sharedness will control the slot, mm -hmm. but it will not fill the slot. Right. You know, like that yeah. concept of slots applied to sharedness and exactly not sharedness which i think is super interesting um another thought for you shared wrappers for unshared slots yeah it's cool um it's very interesting the question Live is are there like weird latency concerns we're like i get all of slack in front of yeah, me except for except for all the messages i mentioned in are like blurred out right. for an extra tenth of a second yeah so let's think about this oh man well, you know what you could do? You know what you could do? Well, you could just put some kind the of like a middleware on your WebSocket thing. Dude, no. The background color could just be Alpine. And the the you, the message, uh, you'd have to figure out, dude, you could do it. You could totally do it. Like, let's say part of the state, the component state is the current user ID or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then every message has like a little attribute on it that says like, author id okay but, there, you, but that's this that works in this scenario but not in most scenarios i might dude no so here's another example right like slack that's messages it, though right like no so slack end. messages slack messages all have a time stamp of when they were sent but people are in different time zones right word okay so yeah. now it's like okay well yeah we could have alpine also handle like it could import yeah, moment should. And it could do all of the time zone conversions in JavaScript. Yeah, just make it an Alpine thing. Yeah, so let's just make a whole fucking SPA. Let's just go get React and let's make our own fucking no. JavaScript website. No, we're going to have to shift little, all little of the responsibility thing. to Don't the front end for literally everything because your back end can't handle it because of the shared component no. bullshit. <laughs> I, let me at least just draw attention to the fact that yeah. what I'm saying is totally true and viable. What, that the front end can just handle it? That you can use Alpine sprinkles for for subtly different experiences, but a shared HTML template being sent. Yeah, you know? sure. Am I right though? Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, you can use Alpine to like change the HTML template that is sent. Yep. For sure. Full stop, Deke.
No, not full stop. That's a bad experience. You don't want that. No, I do. That's, That's have you disgusting. used Alpine? Yeah, I it's use it all so the time. Easy. Like this is <clears throat> what is wrong with that? It's just it's bad. What do you mean? I'm saying for like changing a background color or like adding a timestamp, like well, like okay, so whatever, like flash of unstyled text or something, right? Like okay, now I get all these times and they're in UTC, but then they like briefly flash and then become. They don't. The alpineification happens before it's written to the before to, it renders. Yes, always. So you never get that flash. Huh. Yeah, dude. It'd be dude. It honestly would be like really clean. <laughs> but here's the thing. A live wire component. So wait, wait, so where does that go? Where does that code go? Talk me through this, okay? So like, okay, yeah, the code that it. translates the time zones. Where am I going to write this code? Start with the background color. Go easy on me. Whoa, well, the background color is easy. Okay, but yeah, sure. Give me the background color. So the component has a bit of state called no, whatever. No, the component renders a template with all the messages, right? Yes. And you add like, I don't know, a data attribute to right. each message tag that says the ID of the author. Mm -hmm. And on the front end or in the component state or whatever, you know the, the author ID of the person using the, the whatever. Mm -hmm. And so literally like on that message div, you, you don't do even need Alpine. Like, you just do it with CSS, whatever. Could you? Yeah. Could you? You could just select that data attribute and change the background color. Oh, word. Yeah, that's funny, dude. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. That's dude. That's good. Okay, so let's do the time zone. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would be a great solution, actually. But with yeah. Alpine, you could just just to play it yes. out, right? Like you could just find that data attribute add a class, whatever. Yep. Yep. Easy. And so the time timestamp thing mm -hmm. could be, uh, I mean, there's a few different approaches we could take, but let's just say we do the same thing. So you're passing the down the times in UTC or whatever, right? Yeah. And then where am I going to write this Alpine code that says like moment parse this UTC timestamp string yeah. and then convert it to my local time zone yeah. and then print it back to the page. Yeah. But you're not using moment. You'll just use like the date time object in JavaScript. Sure, whatever. But yeah, date time parse this thing. Yeah. Done deal. Where, yep. but where am I writing that code? You're writing it directly in the tag in Alpine. I'm writing could, what directly in the tag? You know? Yeah, so get this. You could say like x hyphen init. Oh, man. Dude, you could totally do this. Okay. Okay. You could have the span where oh. it's going to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you could say x hyphen init. Mm -hmm. And then now you can just write a JavaScript line. Mm -hmm. And you could say like this.l.innerText equals if you wanted. In reality, you would just use x text. Mm -hmm. That's so much better. It's just x text. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have x text, mm -hmm. okay, equals date time dot parse, whatever, this is not real, date time dot parse, you're blade echoing out the reference time, mm -hmm. and then you're doing dot time zone adjustment, whatever, for me, whatever, done deal. Mm -hmm. Now, when it loads on the front end, it will always be in the user's time zone. Okay. Um, That's, come on though. Sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Just like anytime you want. Like, oh, you want to drop down to like, oh my gosh. And the thing is, oh my gosh, dude. So now let's, that. let me, let me take oh, yeah, you no, one okay. step further to the slightly more complex scenario, right? Okay. Yeah. Which is like a conditional, conditional rendering. Yeah. Right. Like markup that only exists for me and not for you. 
Yep. Right? Um, specifically, let's say markup that only exists for me and that not for you that includes secrets. Yeah. Right? So like... Yes. Um, yeah, you can't open it in DevTools and see it. Yeah. Like, whatever. Can't go over the wire. Right. Can't go over the wire. Yeah. So like, what do we do there? Right? So like, maybe it's like a profile. Right? So like, if you hover uh, in, the, in Slack... You hover a user's profile picture and it pops up a little tooltip um, with their profile, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's in there is like, for me, it shows me what my IP address is, mm -hmm. right? Or whatever. Some, right. some piece of data I couldn't easily get with JavaScript. So we're back to just a normal Livewire component mm -hmm. with that's hooked up to listen for a new message and re-render itself. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Inside of a slot. Mm, okay. Because this you thing could not is, do that. This thing is going to render yep. inside of a div that is presented to me by the large live view. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm like losing it. I'm losing it, Deke. What is the... Because we don't have a clear picture. Like, I understand a plain live wire component and then a trigger, a live trigger to trigger, to re-render itself and show the new messages. What are you describing beyond that? You understand what? This, we could build this Slack right now, mm -hmm. Livewire component that renders all the messages with Blade. Right. And it's listening for an echo event called new message uh -huh. and re-rendering itself. Yep. That could be happen right now. Right. So what is an optimization you're proposing? So what, what I'm saying is like, so say in this world, right, when I hover on profile pictures of people who have messaged... Yeah the thing, mm -hmm. it shows me some public information about that user, right? Yeah. But if I hover my own profile picture, it shows me yeah. private information about myself. Totally. Right? Yep. Which in this world is perfect because it's a live wire component that knows the, your user ID and you're the requester. Right. It of is it, a so live wire component, but in the DOM, the div in which that live wire component lives yep. is within the, the broader div of the chat which is now like a shared component. So we're talking about a okay. private live wire component that has access to private data. Is that is the component just the message itself in the list? The shared component or the Yeah. The no, the custom one for you is the no, slot. It would just be like a whatever, like a tooltip or something or like a something that drops down between messages. I don't care. I don't care how it's designed. But the, the point slot is, is that message. Well, the slot would be like the profile picture that's floating next gotcha. to the, okay. Okay. Next okay. to the okay. Yeah. So it's a shared view with a slot and then like... And then a non-shared component. You can eager load the HTML for the custom one-off thing that you need or you can yeah. whatever. Yeah. I can't figure out how the wires would make that happen without you like, you know, maybe there's a story there. Well, I think there is. Uh, like, I think that's what I'm saying is like you... I think that there is like room for... Mm, okay. I know what you're saying you to like define this slot and say like we're going to push down all of the data to you 
except for this one piece of data, which you're going to have to go request yourself. Yeah, it's um, basically how it works right now. Like, like right now, when you update an outer LiveWire component, mm-hmm. only the outer HTML goes to the front end. Mm-hmm. There's holes for all the nested That's components. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could literally just use that paradigm of nesting components and your little private profile pick is now a nested LiveWire component that is not set as shared. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the thing that you were saying that I couldn't do, I felt, I thought. Very interesting. But I think that's the thing that you should be able to do or else yeah. you run into all sorts of problems. Yep. Interesting. Okay, so this fits perfectly. We, this is our paradigm, Daniel. This is the thing that I want to, the tree I want to bark up is being able to simply mark a component as live. Mm-hmm. And so here's... And then, Here's for me. Full stop. Here's the that. standard by which you know you, you have succeeded, right? Okay. Is yeah. when I can have a non-live page level component. Yeah. That contains a live yes. component that, that contains, contains a non-live component. Yes. When you can I'm make me it. a live live wire sandwich, then Dude, I will eat that. All shit the architecture's for lunch. there. That's how it already works. Yeah, that's what I'm Done saying. Deal. That's why. That's Done why deal. I was amazed by this your belief that it was impossible, man. This is the shit, man. Yeah. This is it. This is what we have to do. Yeah. You can literally say, use live component trait on a live or component. Done deal. Mm-hmm. It is now live. It will just work. Mm-hmm. It will be live and everyone will get the same thing. But nested non-lives will all be static. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And locally. you're going to have to come up with, there's, I'm just like pre-warning you that I think that there's going to be some issues with like, latency of the non-lives and to get away because like right you you now have to wait for a second request because you're getting all of the information to update the html okay so here's but the problem. also a signal that says you need to now go get some more data right yeah but dude it's tough but but if you're a good live wire developer you're already using like wire colon loading and shit right yeah, for sure. So, like, what you could do is just set, like, trigger that wire loading state, and then, like, you're good. You're all good. All right. So, how's this? How's what? Let's think we got one live component on the page. Just mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. One live wire component, and it's live. Okay. So, in the back end, when it hits that live wire component for the initial render, it's like, okay, render this up. Yep. Here's what it has to do. It first goes, is this component living in the back end? Has somebody already initialized this component? Mm-hmm. Oh, they have. Great. Then use that state and use that template as the thing, right? Wait, use that state. Okay. Use the state to seed up the LiveWare component, right? Yes. And then still render the template. Yes. Okay. And then now future state updates okay here's what it here's maybe what needs to happen deke Mm -hmm. the thing that is shared is the state it's not the template the state is the thing that is shared and is persistent right because each person has their own websocket connection anyway yes like we're not I think we're like pretending that we're getting something that we're not getting by this whole yes. idea of sharing markup. Yeah, you already there is no advantage to sharing markup outside of uh shared state. 
outside of not having to render the template a bunch of times, but who yeah. cares? Like that's how it works. Yeah. So what should happen is it should be shared state, dude. Well, and like that's the money. Caleb, and later you can always write a really sick optimization that knows which markup is dependent on the shared state and does that optimization of rendering it only once for you. Right. Yeah. You could have. You could always yeah, like. You could. You could always like you could have a cache. it as like live and static. Right. Like you can have or like a cache. live and yeah. You can have a cache yes. that's holding all of the like shared HTML ready to yeah. be plugged full of non-shared HTML. Exactly. Like but if you, one person's rendering it, mine. But well you don't need to do that and... for MVP. Like for MVP, you right, just need no. to build it, and then you yeah. can go build that as an optimization later. Right. Shared state so is the, the real juice because everyone yeah, has dude. their own. This is the important takeaway. Everyone has their own WebSocket connection. So, like, you can do all kinds of stuff with those individual WebSocket connections. Daniel? Yeah. I'm losing my shit right now. Yeah. This is it, man. Daniel, this sure. is it, bro. So, Caleb, not to, not, to, Daniel, not to be a wet blanket. Don't you dare. How are you going to solve the concurrency problem? <laughs> That's like, you're being like, it's like you're like, it's you're acting right now, you know. Yeah. You're like a bad actor. Yeah, I am. Like, like, but Caleb, but like, Caleb, really. how are we gonna solve the concurrency problem? Like it's like, anyway, how um, are you gonna do or it? Like you're Jerry Seinfeld or something. Yeah. How Caleb, are we gonna solve, how the, are we gonna solve the concurrency problem? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Daniel, yeah, um, we can use. Here's what we can do: we can use the database as the state store for these shared components. Yes. Say what you will, but let's just start there. Sure. And pusher mm -hmm. for the updates. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and pusher for the updates. Is that right? Oh, my Lanta, you are my woman. The problem is, oh, yeah. How do you get like, how do you get like the user auth session stuff? How does that work? Am I missing something? What do you mean? How does that work with websites? What are you saying, dude? You're wander you're wa you're wandering in the halls of your own mind. Should dude, I think give I give me insight into what's going on in your head. I'm so sorry. Finish I just sentence, like snapped back into reality and realized that I've been babbling. <laughs> okay, you got the database. Here's the thing we first need to understand. Yeah. In JavaScript right now, uh -huh. every livewire component has a JavaScript object. Sure. That has the data that it sends to the back end. Yep. And that is the data object. It's the ID. It's a hash. It's whatever. It's the name of the thing. It's all that stuff. The mm -hmm. children that's rendered. It's all that. That is the canonical state of the component. Mm -hmm. We're instead of storing that on the front end now, we're storing it in the database. Sure, we are. Okay. And when or somebody yet in updates Redis at some that, point, but that yes, it's in Redis. It's in the cache. <sighs> So this is where my brain starts to break down. It's oh. like, okay, this is all well and good. But with a WebSocket connection, how do you even know? Can you mix WebSockets and not WebSockets and keep the same logged in user? Like, does cookie auth, like, work? How does that work, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, if... No, I don't know what you're saying. Like, if give the me, shared Give me the problem you're trying to solve. In the shared component blade view, you show the auth ID. Right. Auth arrow ID, mm -hmm. right? And because of the way we've described shared components now where it's just the state, it's not the templates. Mm -hmm. What happens when like, when, how, if we have a WebSocket connection to the backend, mm -hmm. how does the backend know the auth ID? Well, everyone has their own WebSocket connection. 
Right, but how does it know? Is that just a feature? Already built in? What do you mean? Because Laravel has to run. Laravel has to run and render the Livewire component with the shared state, mm-hmm. but render that template that has auth arrow ID in it. You know? Yes. Where does it get auth ID? Well, like the user. I'm a little, I'm still a little bit confused. What do you mean, where does it get auth ID? Where does it ever get auth ID? From, from the, session. the session. Right. From the session. Right. Does session still work across an Ajax request for one request and then a WebSocket request for another one? Uh, I don't know. I would assume the WebSocket request like contains something that it's sending up that has all right. the session stuff. Okay. So let's just assume you that that's to, the case. Because really with WebSockets, you don't mm. have a session. Dude, I keep getting tripped up that we have this concurrent thing now. Yeah. We have the session that exists. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it knows everything all the time. Oh my gosh. Like the okay. WebSocket request, like yeah. it's unless you did something in the request to deauthenticate, like it's just gonna stay authenticated, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's say that so this works perfectly for the one shared liveware component. It renders and it goes. For the first round, it goes, Am I the, is there, does this shared thing exist already? No? Okay, I'll render it out, mm-hmm. and then I'll capture I'll the state, and I'll, I'll, stick it in the I'll cache. make it available. I'll stick it in the cache. Yeah. And so now somebody else loads the page, and they're like, oh, this already exists. Grab the state from the cache, render this component. Mm-hmm. Okay, then one person makes some state update. It goes back to the server with WebSockets to make the state update, and it goes, oh, I'm updating a global thing, so update the actual canonical cache data and notify everybody who rendered it to re-render mm-hmm. and then every all that stuff already happens mm-hmm. right so that's that's the clear picture right of like just one component that's live right but not all not only notify everyone to re-render but like push them down the code that they need to re-render um like this the so like the don't state. just send them a notification that says go yeah, get send this them the code. new state send it's them like, their the new state. code then they have to still render their, their process has to render their HTML Correct. to send out. But they get handed that. But yeah, tell each process that to like start preparing an HTML payload to send down to their. Exactly. Friends. Just like hand them all out and they all mm-hmm. do it. Okay, that's dope. So get this, Daniel. You have a static wrapping live work. No, let's just start with two. You have a, the live wrapper, like mm-hmm. we described. And then you have the static child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could get wild. But for the first render, you're like, oh, neither of these exist. The first one's live. Stick it in the cache. Second one's not, so Mm -hmm. don't. But it renders both of them on the page. Second person renders, sees the first is shared, Mm -hmm. so renders that. But because they still have to render the template, it gets to the child liveware component and goes, okay, like we'll just render that like a normal component. Yep. Which is not live. Mm -hmm. And then that sends to the front end. When one person updates the live one, it only sends the state for the parent it knows it's already been rendered, so it leaves a hole, that that slot you're talking about. Yep. It leaves a hole where that nested component should go. Right. Sends that HTML to the front end. Yep. That's it. So anytime a live component encounters a non-live component on re-render, it just yeah. leaves a hole there. The same way non-live components leave a hole for non-live right. children. And if it needs to but load new ones, if there was it a does. live child, it would. So if not leave it a would hole. just it would not leave wait. It would leave a hole. No, it should until the live child changed. 
Yes. Dude, it would work the same way. Oh, yeah, I suppose it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the crazy thing about this is that this is already how Livewire is all written mm-hmm, and done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing is We're these transports. Yeah. We're adding a cache. We're just, like, storing the, the outgoing data to then feed it to the, as the incoming data. Yeah. It's so freaking baller. So how dude. are you going to solve the concurrency problem? <laughs> right. So then this is, we got to just dive in. We have to just use Spotsy's WebSocket package or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just for prototyping and then hope that, that the, because it can handle a decent amount on its own. So when we gamed like it out, it was like 10K, right? Well, or was yeah, it 1K? So if we, Spotsy WebSockets. Um, so I've talked to Taylor a little bit about this because yeah. I've been like barking up this tree like whatever. Right. I guess I'll just say that he's like, why aren't you just using Spotsy's WebSockets? Like lots of people use it on Forge. Okay. I didn't know that. So he's like, people are using it and it works. Okay. Which is good to hear. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, there's the but does it scale section of the beyond code docs so, for Laravel WebSockets. <laughs> Caleb, I would just say you're going to rewrite Spassi's WebSockets anyway. Yeah, it's possible. Don't um, just, just write your own WebSocket layer. I mean, maybe for tinkering, honestly, because like, it's like a one-page deal if yeah. you want to just use like React PHP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess on this specific server, the maximum number of concurrent connections ended up being 15,000. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's... 15k concurrent is pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> that's yeah. like and like at the point where bad. you have 15k concurrent you're generating enough income to buy more servers sorry say it again you're breaking up for me if you have 15,000 concurrent users you can afford more server yes you can afford more server and and then whatever on a future podcast we'll talk about what happens when you hit 15,001 <laughs> what happens to that guy right and like how does that fall back to ajax yes and it probably could fall back pretty gracefully honestly like just not receive live updates you know yeah dude i think we like revolutionized the world here honestly yeah we did it exactly what i without ever convincing bogdan to use livewire um oh right yeah which was one of the goals here we're only at an hour 50 yeah that's true we (laughs) got got another 45 honestly the thing to convince him is like it's stable. The community is thriving. There's so many people who use it and work on it. And the API is stable. It's all stable and it is, makes you so much faster. If you like, if you play in the way it wants you to play, which is pretty flexible and powerful, you're just so much faster. That is the thing that I hear from teams all the time, like over and over. It's like the biggest deal with Livewire is how fast you can get stuff done. Yeah. And I've, in my experience, it is that way. And that's, boy, that's the how, selling Boy, point. how do I agree? just quick yeah i just don't know if that like i don't know if that communicates until you've tried it have them try it get on a pair with them have them build have them build like a to-do app or something does he know laravel well yeah yeah. he's a good laravel developer seriously hop on a pair with him and have him build something like form submission don't use any of the model property stuff just use like cold live wire properties Mm mm-hmm that are strings and stuff and this arrow validate and whatever. Have them build a counter for starters and then work up to like a form. I would hop on that pair. I would literally just have him build the thing that we're talking about building right now. That could do it. Which is But seriously, loop me in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull me in on the you Zoom know, call and um, the screen share. Alp Alptail or whatever. 
No. What? Al. I is this like yeah, uh, alftail.com? It's like a bunch of little components that are made with Alpine and Tailwind. They're great. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Daniel Palmer. Huh. Um, but there's one on there called Invite Team. It's at the bottom of the first list. And it's like that like incredibly common thing of like, I need to type something in input, then hit add new, and then create a second input, and then I need to be able to delete ones that I've already created. Totally. So this is like, we're, something very similar to this is how we're adding answers to our questions. And, Word. but there's all this validation concerns and questions can be correct or incorrect and whether a question can be removed, whether an answer can be removed or not depends on whether or not there's extant sessions in the exam, yep. all this backend concerns, right? And it's like, how many, how many of these backend concerns are we going to like replicate the logic for divining them on the front end and just do it in Alpine, you know? Yeah. Um, versus if we just did this in Livewire, like we could just have the back end yeah. do all the back end thinking and then tell you whether or not there's an input there. You know? <laughs> like or tell you whether or not there's a delete button or whatever. Yeah. Dude, yeah, this Alptail thing's interesting. This is basically my plan for like my monetization of Alpine. Yeah. Is like I mean, I really a, like it. Like I was like someone must have made sort of thing. Someone must have like built this thing with Alpine. Right? Like someone must have already made like a, here's some inputs yeah. with add another one with right. Alpine. And I was like, because I was in the middle of building it and I was like, let's go see what already exists out there. And unfortunately, yeah. like I had to have like an array of existing state already. So I had to basically rebuild yep. it anyway. But, okay. um, but this is such a cool little, cool little thing. Like there's just little, little like tagify awesome. tag input. That's nice. That's dope. Okay, Deke, we're at uh, we're at pretty late here. Two hours. I, yeah, I'm long satisfied. One. How do you feel? Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't talk to the people for two weeks, so you got to get. Yeah, you got to give them an extra hour. Um, I'm yeah, I'm super pumped and thankful, and I I thought like, I just need I I couldn't like get past it, and I just was like I got to talk to Deke, and then we'll just solve the entire world's problems on this podcast, which we did. We won't have it done. It'll happen. Agreed. I don't even know it, but I just know. You know what I mean? All right, Deke. I'm going to cue the outro music now. Mm -hmm.